Bears Nation. Bears Nation. Bears Nation. It's time for the Bears Nation podcast with your hosts, Kevin Lapka and Jake Hassan. Shall we play a game? Strap it in. It's the Bears Nation podcast. Let's get it. All right, October 11th, Monday, Bears Nation podcast. And for the first time in 2021, it is the second victory Monday in a row for your Chicago Bears. How about that? The Bears take care of the Raiders in Las Vegas, 20-9 in a game that was not particularly close. A game that was ugly, for sure. A very ugly uh, Big Ten football-esque game, but it was (laughs) a game that the Bears won. 20 to 9. It wasn't quite the 30 plus points that Kevin and myself predicted, mm-hmm. but a win is a win. The Raiders are falling back to earth. They are just all discombobulated. But for the first time in 2021, you're on a winning streak going into what might be one of the biggest games of the year, which we'll talk about on Wednesday. But for now, Kevin, we are breaking down this W against the Las Vegas Raiders, the Bears' first home victory of the year as well. Or first away a victory. road victory. Yeah, I mean, I, in the pregame show, I, I said I, I'm seeing a statement win by an 11-point margin, and we got a statement win by an 11-point margin. Now, you said it wasn't, you know, I predicted 35-24 is 29, but they dominated this game. I mean, you go into a very, very hard place to play uh, at Allegiant Stadium, and the mm-hmm. Bears fans actually traveled really well. They were making a whole Good. lot of noise, so shout out to the Bears fans for that. Hard place to play, though. We know how ruthless Vegas Raiders fans are, uh, an offense that was clicking. Uh, Derek Carr leading the league in passing yards going into Sunday, an offense that was on fire, and you hold them to nine points. Yeah, yeah. there's there's things that they could have done better offensively. We'll break that down. But this is like we talked about, you know, the lack of statement wins throughout the the tenure of Matt Nagy, or really since 2019. I mean, the Buccaneers comes to mind. Uh, there's some other games that come to mind. This was a a, a a very necessary statement win. I mean, you look at now the rest of the division, the Bears have the most wins in the division, in the NFC North against teams with a winning record. The, the Packers have won. The Vikings, I don't even know if they have won, and I know the Lions are winless. So you have the most wins against winning teams in the division at this point in the season. You're at three and two, and had... You know, Evan McPherson not missed two field goals. Yes, Mason Crosby missed three of them. You'd be tied with for the lead in the NFC North. The current playoff picture, if the season end today, the Bears would be in the playoffs with the sixth seed, not even with the additional seventh seed. So you, you like where you're at. You're in a good spot as far as where you're at after week five. And that was a win that sets the tone now as you have to go back home and play Green Bay in an extremely crucial division game. So a must win, a statement win, very, 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 Excited to see what the Bears did on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, this was, and you mentioned the defense, this was a classic Bears defense that we're used to. This was what we come to expect from this Bears team, Uh, a a team that goes out and grinds and will absolutely shut you down. Uh, There were some gaudy numbers that were put up on the board. Roquan Smith in the double digits with tackles again. Khalil Mack was all over Derek Carr all night. He only had one sack, but he had tackle for loss, seven solo tackles. He was all around the quarterback. DeAndre Houston Carson comes up with a nice interception where he basically became the receiver. Um, and so it was, you're right, Kevin, there were things you could have done better. There were a couple times where you got a, a break when uh, some Vegas receivers couldn't drop, couldn't catch wide open yeah. passes and they dropped them, got bailed out a couple times. But for the most part, I mean, this was a Bears defense that played like it was 2018. It felt like 2018. And where does that start? Who's that start with? It starts with you. I mean, Nag said that in the postgame press conference today. He was all over the field. I guess he doesn't get official credit for a sack that occurs on a two-point conversion. But that play on in itself is an incredible play that, you know, had they gotten that, you know, the Bears still probably would have won. But it would have made things more interesting. One-score game going down the stretch. Who knows? Um that, that was that was an incredible play, providing pressure that opens things up for Robert Quinn. And this is what I said, Jake. I mean, people, you could tell, too, when Akeem Hicks was ruled inactive this week, mm-hmm. it was less of a worry. It was less of a concern. We saw the pressure. It was still there. And it starts with those guys on the edge. You would have liked to see a little bit more pressure uh, from, you know, an Eddie Goldman from a by Loud Nichols. But those guys were still getting home. Mario Edwards was though he has used to, to figure out about committing penalties after the play. But it starts with 52, it ends with 52. You look at the success of this defense, it revolves around Khalil Mack. 
and he was ready to play against his former teammate, Derek Carr. They kept talking about their friendship on the broadcast. I didn't know their friendship and relationship was that strong, but it didn't matter on Sunday. He got after him. That is what is going to make this defense run. And Jake, I I, I said, I'm stupid. I'm stupid because I said weeks ago, I was like, I, I didn't think this defense was at a point early on in the year to where you'd be winning games 20 to nine. You'd be winning yeah. games, you know, you know, by lower scores. I was like, this is this, you're going to have to get to the point where today's NFL, you're looking at chargers Browns 47, 42. That, that's how, you know, that's not going to be the case every game, but that's more, you're going to have to win more games off of offense. Boy, was right. I wrong. This is looking like a top five defense at this point. I, I don't know what other teams did. I, they might still lead the league in sacks after Sunday. We have to wait for Monday night football results as well. But mm -hmm. they're playing like a top five defense, and that is something that we didn't expect after the first three weeks of the year. No, it, it absolutely wasn't. And Cleo Mack now overtakes Robert Quinn for the team lead in sacks, mm -hmm. which is what you expected. Uh, I out, Elsewhere, though, I mean, you also had sacks from both Gibsons, uh, Tayshawn Gibson senior had one and Travis Gibson had one <laughs> and Travis Gibson in his second year. I mean, he did not impress as a rookie. People were wondering if he'd be able to stick around. He was a, on kind of a watch list to maybe be cut this year. And he's a sack in back-to-back -back games. Now he looks like a guy that can be a cornerstone with Jalen Johnson going forward. So that's great to see as well, but you're right. I mean, all last week, even I was saying that you're going to have to start scoring 30 plus and you're going to have to start putting up points. And I was wrong too. I said, if you want to beat the Raiders, you're going to have to put up points and score with them. And you did most of the scoring on your end, uh, bolstered by a very, very effective running game, which we'll get to. But I mean, this, like I said, this was reminiscent of the 2018 team. Obviously it's not the 2018 defense because that team was a historic defense and they set records literally. Right. But I, I mean, just... To, like you said, it all revolves around Khalil Mack, and he looked great. And we kind of knew that would happen going against this old team again. But still, I mean, it's just everyone is doing their part for the most part. I would say, I, I mean, if I had to grade the defense, I, I mean, I'd put it at like an 8.5, 9 out of 10. I only, I only put it that low because you did get bailed out a couple times. There were some blown coverages where you got lucky with some drop passes by the Raiders. But for the most part, this was the most sound game, I think, from the defense thus far. Yeah, I mean, it has to be. It has to be. Yeah, I mean, bailouts happen every game with every team. I mean, there, you know, there's going to be, you know, penalties. I mean, you could look at it both ways. The Bears could have gotten off the field multiple times, but Mario Edwards commits, you know, uh, uh, say roughness. He throws a guy to the ground. There's there's roughing the passer. There are things of that nature. There's that call against Roquan Smith in the end zone. What the hell was that? Yeah. I mean, he's leading with the show. That's how you teach kids how to tackle. I mean, yeah, you don't want to go for the head, but if, if you're going to make the tackle in that right. area, you do it with the shoulder. That was a textbook tackle terrible call there i mean it goes both ways about getting bailed out so i mean you have to I, I would almost give it a 10 out of 10 jake i mean there's really like you look at the one time the raiders got in the red zone it was penalties that caused them to get up to the one and the two and they still took them a whole bunch of plays there was no gasher i mean there was a few right. 20 plus yard plays but there was nothing gashing that there was you know, nothing that broke your, your defense. back Nothing that exactly nothing that broke you. And I talked in the pregame show like, wow, this team has been so good. Ben, don't break. And Rokon Smith said on the mic last week, too, like, I don't care if people think that's the way. If we are Ben, don't break. That's fine. We're not allowing points on the board, but they, they needed to be better in between the 20s. That was for sure. sure. And they did that. They did that. They were, the Raiders were not having success. They were getting uh, they were getting that team off the field. Um, Young Baller 24 in the chat says, can we give credit to how amazing Sean Desai has been? Yes, we can give credit. He's been great with his coverages, his personnel uh, as well, the things he's been dialing up. I like the the blitz percentages we've seen. I have to look deeper into sort of the details on that before next week about how much blitzing and how much uh, we, we've really seen there. Mm -hmm. Also interesting too, Jake, Dan Trevathan came back. What did you see from him uh, that, that you liked versus, you know, versus Ogletree? Because they were kind of, like I said in the pregame show, sort of a mix and match 50. I don't know what the exact snap share was, but yeah. it was uh, they were close both to half-half. Yeah, I, I would say, I mean, obviously I wasn't keeping, a, I mean, I wasn't looking for Danny Trevathan versus Alcohol Ogletree, <laughs> right. but I mean, I think he was fine. I think they, if, we know they were mixing matching and I think they did a good job of, of that, especially with a tight end like Waller. And we know he's Derek Carr's favorite target. And a lot of times last yeah. year, Danny Trevathan cost you big chunk plays and you didn't see that this week. So if they keep doing that and doing the mix and match, I'm perfectly fine with that. And I'm perfectly fine with doing it in that way. I mean, they both played well. I think, if you, you know, we're not talking about them too much. So I think that means they had a good game or at least a sound game. They had nine tackles between the two of them. So I'll take that all day. Uh, if you're, if you're putting two 
two linebackers together to make one, that's fine with me, especially like that. Uh, if that's if you can use the other to to hide or cover the other's deficiencies, I'm perfectly fine with that. One thing I want to highlight is the Raiders only went one for three on fourth down attempts. That's huge. They went five for 14 on third down. That's great. I mean, like you just said with Desai, that's just good scheming when you can do that. And it's great. I mean, the the fourth down, especially, I mean, that's especially when you have to stand up, have to make a play. You can't, and that says a lot about this team, I think. Um, and we're going to get into the offense more, but there were a couple times where the offense still was on the field for too short of a time for what the yep, defense was 100%. doing for you. Um, but I mean, we're talking about the good stuff right now. And I just, again, this was a very sound, good wire to wire performance mm-hmm. by the defense and really is encouraging for this upcoming week, which we'll talk about against the Packers, which we'll obviously talk about on Wednesday. I'm not going to let you. I got worried in the fourth quarter. I really did because yeah. you saw the offense go conservative. I'm like, this is textbook how the Bears are going to lose this football. And, like and how you the could, and you could see right. Vegas was king. And I, because yes. you were you knew you were going to go run, run, run. And they started keying in on it. And we'll talk about it more in a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, I did get worried that you were going to have the defense out there too much at the end of the fourth or at the last half of the fourth quarter even. And you were going to make it a ball game. But they stood tall and the offense ended up coming through too. Yeah, I mean, like the the Raiders traditionally have gone down in the first half and come back in the second mm-hmm. half. So it, it played right into their hands. It, it did. You know, had 11-point deficit in the fourth quarter. Raiders come back and win on a game-winning field goal. That's what they've done all year. So for the Bears to actually, you know, know, know that as well, I'm sure they all had that on their minds in the fourth quarter as well. Say, this is textbook Raiders. This is what they do. This is how they win football games. We got to lock up here and continue to make plays down the stretch. But the thing you see, going back to Desai, what good coordinators do is they take away those offensive players. You want, yeah. and the reason why I bring this up is I don't know if anybody who's listening to this watched the Bills versus the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football, but Leslie Frazier, defensive coordinator of the Bills, is a textbook example of how to take away skilled players of their team. You know, they were double teaming Travis Kelsey. They were taking away Tyreek Hill, doing all these different things. That's what that is what you do, and that's what Sean Desai did. The Raiders don't have too many playmakers on offense, and he knows that. So what did they do? We're gonna. We're, and this is what the Bills did against uh, against the Chiefs. They just ran cover two like ninety percent of the time to take away the explosive Tyreek Hill play touchdown that's gonna break you. You know, they not they did not let Henry Ruggs get behind them on defense. They keyed in on Darren Waller. They put two mm-hmm. men on him. They didn't allow Darren Waller to get open because those are really the only two ways that are not really the only two ways, but the two fundamental ways that it is going to break your defense. So Sean Desai deserves a lot of credit. You take away that you find a way to take away the skill players and the guys who make that offense run. You know, in that case, that's Waller, that's Ruggs, that's you know, Jacobs out of the backfield, that's some of those other guys like Kenyon Drake and Gadget plays, you're gonna win football games. So Huge credit to them and huge credit to, you know, it's not just a side. Like the, the one play that stands out to me is you get one-on-one Duke Shelley versus Darren Waller at the five-yard line and everyone on God's green earth knows <laughs> that that ball is going to Darren Waller one-on-one. It was a poorly thrown ball from Derek Carr, but still it, it might have been good enough to catch. Good job by Duke Shelley to, to do that one-on-one. The cornerbacks played better. You're getting better production from those personnel areas and from those position groups that we had more worries about early on in the year. Yeah, and I mean when Derek Carr throws the ball 35 times and Hunter Renfro is his top, you know, receiving leader with six catches for 50. I mean, Hunter Renfro was the receiving leader in catches and yards with six for 56. When that's the case, you did a good job because Darren Waller only brought in half of his targets. He was targeted eight times, only got four for 45 yards. I mean, Ruggs, his longest was 29. Usually in a game, you see Ruggs' longest is like 56. So that's, like you said, I mean, you you did a good job covering who you needed to cover and you took it away from them. And again, a couple times you got bailed out from drops. I think twice that I can think of off the top of my head, but otherwise, I mean, you took it away. And like you said, that, that ball in the end zone, Duke Shelley did a great job. Um, There was another one at the end of the game. I can't remember who was on him, but Waller went up for a pass and it kind of looked like it slipped through his hands a little bit, but I thought it was more a, a mix of nervousness on Waller because he was about to get hit from two sides and good coverage and just a ball that he had to go up and get and couldn't come down with it. So yeah, Desai has been great. I I mean, again, they've gotten better each week defensively, I think uh, outside of, you know, I mean, outside of Cleveland really, because they were on the field so damn much, Yeah, but, but I mean, it gives you, and I keep saying, we'll talk about a Wednesday, but it gives you a little bit of hope, I guess. It makes you feel a little more confident going in, to Sunday against the Packers. Not super confident given that it is a game against the Packers, but a little more 
confident giving that Derek Carr was just the passing yards leader. Like he was playing really well. He was in the MVP conversation for a little bit. Surely isn't anymore, but for a little bit he was, and he was playing really well and you shut him down for all intents and purposes. And you do it on the road again, Mm -hmm. you know, to, to do that on the road and, and stand tall like that. That's that to me. Now, when you talk about momentum and where we go next week, you go back home. They've all played really well defensively at home, better than they have on the road. Mm-hmm. So you can take that momentum and knowing how well you play on the road, take it back home to where you've been playing even better. You have a good formula to defeat a Packers team that hasn't necessarily been firing on all cylinders offensively. I mean, sure, mm-hmm. they've, they've looked good typically as they do with Aaron Rodgers at the helm, but it hasn't been what we saw last year with Aaron Rodgers as the MVP of the league. It hasn't been anything near that. So this is your start. And this is why I said this game was so crucial. You lose this game. You go two and three. You mm-hmm. know, yeah, you're you're still in the mix, but then you, all right, now you got to play Green Bay at home and you don't have the momentum coming off of a loss. And it would, you know, things would be a lot more difficult. And again, it, it, it's different too when you win in this fashion versus winning, you know, 22 to 20 on, a, you know, a build out play or something. You know, you really mm-hmm. shouldn't have won, but you did, you know, things like that. We saw Club Dub, Jake. We saw him getting excited. Yeah. We saw where, you know, I don't know, some reminiscence of the things we saw in 2018. And Matt Nagy finally figured out, you know, th- this is, you know, what has to happen. We ha- And this is why I say, I mean, I don't know if Club Dub occurred in the first few games of the year. Yeah, Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. But, you know, it, it seems like we're kind of getting back to that point where. Well, we know it did yesterday because Damian Williams referenced it. Like he directly said, no, yeah, there's a video. There's a video. And that's why we we know for a fact it is now that that, I think it's what I, and that what I'm trying to say is that's a representation of where the team is at now following the turmoil that occurred in the first three weeks of the season. You know, we, we were at a, a a low point And, and, and you said that you said after, I think week three against Cleveland was like the low point of Matt Nagy's career from a culture standpoint, you know, from, from where the locker room is at. And we had questions about whether he lost the locker room. And a lot, a lot of, a lot of that had to do with Justin Fields versus Andy Dalton, but there was other factors as well. I think, you know, the play calling the, you know, just people's thoughts on Nagy. That's all out the door. Now you don't have to worry about that unless Nagy takes play calling back over which he won't unless he (laughs) makes Andy Dalton the starter again, which he won't. So now you can focus on the things that you can control. You can focus on everything else. And I think the team is a lot better off for it. But let's talk offense. Uh, I know we said we're going to push it off. But overall, I think we have uh, Youngballer24 in the chat saying, Justin has averaged 19 pass attempts per game. How many did he average? How many did he have on Sunday? I can't find it exactly. On Sunday, Uh, he had 20 again, same as last week. Yeah, so I had predicted he would get over 30. Boy, was I wrong. But, Jake, the story of the offense comes down to the running backs and what they did in place day Montgomery. Yeah, so, and here's the thing. And I think that's why there were only 20 pass attempts because you only needed 20. You were in control of that game. And you you went in with into halftime mm-hmm. with an 11-point lead and you ran for 143 yards. And, I mean, Khalil Herbert, hello. Welcome to the show. I mean, I, I know we were all expecting Cleo Herbert to be a contributor on special teams and as a returner. I and never in a million years would I have thought that Cleo Herbert could run that well and that effectively. He was your leading rusher. He was your leading rusher with 18 carries and 75 yards. He outcarried Damian Williams by two, and he outgained him by 11 yards. I mean, I did not expect Cleo Herbert at any point over his Bears tenure to be the leading ball carrier in both yards and carries. I was stunned, pleasantly surprised, of course. But, I mean, this just – I mean, we've talked about it so much, how important it is to have that second, third effective rusher. We knew what Damian Williams could do. We knew he would be effective. We knew he would get the job done. But have Cleo Herbert back there, too, I mean, running well as well. I, I mean, that's great. I mean, that is great for you going forward. Uh, he didn't get a target, but and Damian Williams got three targets, but – it looks like you're going to be just fine while David Montgomery misses time. And and on top of that, once he comes back, you have a good little rotation that you could use too. You could ease him back in if you want. Yeah. And that's the luxury of that. I mean, I, I was talking on the show about how I thought Artavis Pierce was going to get more carries than Khalil Herbert. God, (laughs) am I an idiot for saying that? I mean, I, I didn't, man, I I just, the burst that he has, man, I mean, it is there. I mean, I, I, that's what I didn't expect from it. I mean, I, I watched the college tape and I knew what, he had coming out but even in the preseason i i mean shit i didn't know he had that much burst and yeah. he got more carries than D- damian williams did 
I mean, Damian Williams is, is more of that asset out of the out of the passing game anyway. I mean, that, that's really where you know people find his value as a running back, although he only had two receptions, 20 yards. He is a threat there. He scored a touchdown, still had he's involved. Point. Yeah, yeah, he's involved. But I mean, that like this is a, a good running game and a whole lot of credit yeah. to the offensive line. I mean, th- this is a pretty good Oakland defense or God, Las Vegas defensive front. I mean, they've <laughs> been playing really well. Max Crosby and Cleland Farrell and, uh, you know, a lot of those guys up front had played well up to this point. And, mm-hmm. and the Bears just dominated the line of scrimmage. I mean, Charles Davis kept talking about the Broncos. He said they are dominating the line of scrimmage, both sides of the ball. Um, you know, James, there's a video of James Daniels just throwing a guy into a different, you know, galaxy uh, <laughs> on a block play. I mean, they 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 really imposed their will on them. And this is why I said, Jake, you know, running back's the most replaceable uh, position in the NFL. Not one person should be worried about where this Bears offense is going to go with the loss of Dave Montgomery. Yeah, he, yeah. he, he is an asset. Yeah, he provides value. But, man, with, with what you have with Khalil Herbert and Damian Williams, like, yeah, you're right. It, it does – you like – and to add on to that, Ryan Pace, man. I mean, Travis Gibson, Khalil Herbert. I mean, mm-hmm. it just it just does not end. These late round gems, it's just it it's incredible. It's incredible. Now, running back is easier to find, you know, third diamond does. Third diamond does, you know what I mean? But still, credit to him. The, the effectiveness Herbert. with with which he's drafted running backs year after year is is pretty impressive. I will say for for his faults, Ryan Pace does hit on running back. It seems like year after year after year. But yeah, I mean, the this is the interior offensive line you were expecting. From day one, James Daniels, Cody Whitehair, uh, and them two especially were supposed to be your top guys. Sam Mustafer as well. I mean, those those three in the middle were supposed to be like your rock. That was supposed mm-hmm. to be why you could have a good running game, why you would have, you know, Justin Fields protected well. And, you know, you had some questions on the tackle side, but... I mean, like you said, James Daniels is throwing people all over the place. Mustafa finally looks like he's getting his legs under him yeah. again, which is great. Um, so, yeah. I mean, what I also I like, I mean, and credit to Bill Wazer, switching out offensive linemen. And I mean, Alex Bars was in and that out there. Unbelievable. Uh, I mean, I loved that. I mean, I, I think that was really oh. good. I I've, I don't know what the effective, effectiveness rate would be on that or, you know, what the purpose is. But, hey, if it, it seemed like it was working. So if it's going to work, by all means, go for it. I mean, I have no problem with that. It was a cool little wrinkle, I think. And, I mean, I hate to say it, but credit to Matt Nagy. I, I mean, he he just sat there, and he was a leader, and he yes. and he yes. was just – he got mad when he needed to get mad. He challenged – and I thought the challenge was a good challenge, too. And I, he, he had a decent – you know, I, I didn't have a problem with him challenging in that spot, I should say. I think it was, sure. I, I I got the reason I knew I, it. yeah, I knew they were so, going to get it, but so I, I mean, I think he did a good job. I, if he, now he just has to keep doing it. And to the point where, you know, you mentioned, unless he puts Dalton back in, I think that was the thing. That was the perfect opportunity yes, to put Andy Dalton when Justin Fields went out for a couple plays with a, a knee injury and Andy Dalton came in and we were all thinking, okay, this is it. Great. It's going to be Andy's team again. And Andy Dalton was out there. He was out of there like that. As soon as Justin Fields was yes. ready to go back in, they pulled Andy Dalton's ass off the field. So I think that was the biggest, you know, narrative takeaway from this game is that oh, it is unquestionably, okay. you know, narrative wise, not, you know, anything that's not from the game, but narrative yeah. wise, I think that's the biggest takeaway is that this is unquestionably Justin Fields' team. And they were 100% honest when they said we're, that we're committed to Justin. He's QB one, because that was the perfect opportunity to put Andy Dalton back in that game if you really wanted to. Yeah, it was. And I was a little bit worried. I was a little bit worried that that was going <laughs> to be the case. We all were. We all I, you know, I, I, me and my friends, like that hyperextension injury, it happens all the time, you know, when you're running around playing, you know, football or whatever. So I, I knew that he wasn't going to be out for long. Um, and, But it was still, it was still that opportunity. Now, this is, when you talk about Nagy, Young Baller 24 again. Popping off in the chat. Appreciate you, my boy. Exactly. I always said Nagy should be the the Nagy, the coach, not Nagy, the play caller. And this is this is what we've said all along. This is why this is why Matt Nagy is so stupid in the first four weeks of the season is that no one has a problem. Well, there are still problems. Don't, don't get me wrong. There are still problems mm-hmm. with Nagy to coach because the development issues about certain players are there. There's there's certainly still issues, but there is issues that you can fix. I think with Nagy the coach, but. Sure. Nagy, the coach, is a coach that can win you football games. A coach that can take you to the playoffs is a coach that can focus on the other aspects of a game, that can focus, you know, on all the other things that are important while 
you know what uh while Bill Lazor is calling the plays. And that's why that's why we've that's what we've said for all along. And that's why Jake has said for all along, Nagy's job could be safe and and probably at this point will be safe if they yeah. continue to win and if they make the playoffs, if he's just Nagy the coach. Because honestly, speaking from the players too, I don't know if players I don't know if they have a problem with Nagy the coach either. You know, no. I I, I, re- I really don't think they do. I, I mean, so they either. had problems with Nagy the coach, Nagy the decisions, the decisions made by sure. Nagy. Certainly, there was turmoil in that locker room about you know I I think his you know play calling decisions, his quarterback decisions. But as Nagy the coach, I mean, they really have nothing but great things to say about the culture and the things that he's built. So if they focus on that, if that is back. Yes, that is a coach that you can win with. Now, there are still better options as the head coach of the Chicago Bears. He is not the best option to be the coach, but for what you have right now and the current 2021 team, you have a coach that can win you football games. Now, I want to go to the comp by T. Hulk here. Dare we say we finally have an offensive guru in Bill Lazor? No, we do not. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. An offensive guru would win that game 35 to 10, probably more like 31 to 10, 28 to 10. They only won that game 29. Why? You get a turnover. DeAndre Houston Carson makes a hell of a play. What do you do after that? Three straight running plays. Three straight running plays. What did I say? You don't like, yeah, your defense allowed you to win this game for sure. But there's a very good chance that they don't win that game. And we go back and say, what the hell? Why are we running three straight running plays yeah. after a turnover when you could have pushed this to an unreachable game in the, the third? I think that would happen in the third. Was that? Late third or early fourth quarter, that Carson interception. But that's my only – I have a few other gripes. That's my main gripe is you that you had the chance to blow that team out of the water, dominate them offensively, and you didn't do it. I, I would have liked to see that. Yeah, I, I get why you wanted to run because you wanted to drain the clock and you and your running game was working very efficiently. But, yeah, I mean, you got to let the kid throw. And, you got, and that's what I want to address next is 20 passes. He didn't – Again, he didn't have the best day, 12 for 20, 111 yards. He did have the touchdown. But, I mean, you got to let the kid throw some more. And he did. He And he delivered down he, a couple big play, big throws, big boy throws yeah. down the stretch there uh, to keep the clock running and keep you – get got you a couple first downs because uh, he was moving. But I will say we saw the movement. We saw the bootlegs a couple more times. We definitely saw the play action more. And we saw the option plays more, which was great. Um, it was a step in the right direction for sure. But I mean, that's some of the things with Justin Fields is that you're going to, that's kind of the growing pains we were talking about a couple times. Um, he's going to grow and you would have liked to see him have a better gaudier stat line against this depleted Vegas secondary. But I mean, again, you were running it so well, it kind of didn't matter, but yeah, I, I would have liked them to let him throw more than 20 times and give him more opportunities. I'm getting more of a rhythm, but that's fine. You still won. You still were able to lean on the run. You're right. The three straight running plays, you gotta, can't be doing that. Got to figure that out. A couple of people in the comments saying that was Nagy. Maybe. I don't know. I, I mean, that maybe it was. Who knows? Mm-hmm. He definitely, I mean, I know he had the play sheet. There were a couple times he called plays. But if Matt Nagy is going to be in charge of, you know, out of 50-something plays, Matt Nagy calls six of them, I'm fine with that. I will take that all, all day long. Instead of 54 out of 54, if he has six out of 54, perfect. Great. Awesome. I mean, granted, they might not have been in the best spot, but overall, I will take those odds. So, I mean, overall, yeah, I mean, the offense still has some things that they're figuring out clearly. But the thing is, people, that's what you're going to have with a rookie quarterback. You're going to have to take the time to it for it to get traction, for it to get its legs under it. This is is just as this is Justin Fields second start. I mean, really, if you're not counting Vegas or not counting Cleveland. So really his second real start in which he's had a game plan and time and the cast around him has also played well. So it's going to take some time. It's not going to be perfect right away. It's probably not going to be perfect all year. Maybe in the last couple of games, we'll finally start seeing what this offense could be. But right now, let's just take it for what it is and let's be happy with a solid offensive line, a very, very good running game and coaching decisions that didn't lose you the game. I think we should be happy with that. I, I think we should be really happy with yes. overall getting the win in the way you did because wire to wire, it was a very sound Bears football game. Wire to wire, yes. from start to finish, it was sound, it was fundamental, and you won the game. I think that's super important because we have not seen that, all, even in the Lions game, really. 
it wasn't wire to wire the most sound game. This was sound. Mm-hmm. There was minimal complaints that any of us I had, I think, at least speaking for myself, that I had minimal complaints from start to finish. And that's the first time I've said that in probably over a year. I would agree. Probably since, well, the the Jacksonville game last year and the sure. Houston yeah. game last so year. But again, those, those, those aren't games against winning teams on the road, three and one at a hard place to play like Vegas. So that's the difference. Those are games you expected I, to be, those were games you expected right. to blow them out. This game, you went in as an underdog. This was only yes. that. This was Matt Nagy's second win as a, as a heavy underdog against the spread and straight that's up. It? Yes. Two for 14. Wow. That's incredible. I did not know that. That is yeah. incredible. That just goes to show. Now, one thing, too, I want to go back to play calling real quick. What the Bears need to do, what other offensive team, great offensive teams in the NFL do, is reject, reject the ideology that you have to call the game based off of game flow. And what I mean by that is this is what they understood in the third quarter. You're up well, at that point, you know, 20 to 9 or whatever. I don't know when they scored that. Last, I don't know when they pushed it to 29. You were up by, it was uh, before that. 17 to six or whatever. I don't know before mm-hmm. whatever. It, I don't remember exactly what it was. You're up by enough. You're up by enough. Now what they recognize game flow. Okay. So this, this is what game flow is. Bears playing great defense. You know, Raiders can't go anywhere when we have a good lead, you know, about, uh, I don't know, 18 minutes, maybe left on the clock, you know, run it down. You know, you, you have the chance, you know, the defense is playing well. You don't got to do too much on offense. That's game flow. That, that, that's what you recognize. That's what you think. Great teams have to reject that. The Buffalo bills last night, playing in torrential downpour <laughs> up 11 points against the Kansas City Chiefs, went right down the field, passing the football in yeah. torrential downpour, and just poured it on them. Why? Because they know that, shit, if we don't score a touchdown here, you get Patrick Mahomes the ball back with 11 minutes uh, or with, with uh, you know, a, a whole quarter and 11 too, points. Yeah, too much time. Too much time. So, you know, that's where, yes, th- this Raiders team offensively was good, but – even when you go play Green Bay, say you're up 20 to 9 against Green Bay, you you can't follow game flow. You can't. You have to go down the field. You have to push it 27-9. You have to put that game out of reach because those best teams and you know, come playoff time, come the important games down the season against the better offenses, they're going to know that. They're going to they're going to they're going to take advantage of of you getting complacent and you getting conservative in the third and fourth quarter and they're going to come back and beat you. You know, it, all it takes is is one defensive error. One defensive error they score, momentum shifts, game over. That's all it takes. It's one simple thing. Even if your defense has played good for the first 45 minutes, first 50 minutes, all yeah. it takes is one little error, one little tweak. They get back on you. 11 points is not enough. And that's why, you know, I'm content wire to wire. That's that's a great win. But you uh, still, you have to you have to keep that foot in the gas pedal, as Young Baller 24 says. You have to keep it going. You have to blow You have to have that step on their out. throat mentality. Yes. Like, well, yes. so here, so here's the thing with that is that, and I said this last week, the important thing right now is to just keep getting in. I do think it was a lot of game flow. I think they were happy with where they were at and they were just trying right. to protect the lead. But also I think it's a little bit of what I talked about last week, where you just got to take those baby steps and build the, you know, just keep building those blocks until you can get to that offense to where you want to be. And yeah, I would have liked to see them throw more. And I just don't think they're in a place yet from an offensive standpoint where, you know, like I said, Justin oh. Fields, real second start, okay. third, if you want to count the Cleveland game. This was the first game where your offensive line played its best. I think it's ju- they're just not ready for that yet. You know what I mean? I think it was more, I think it was partially game flow okay. for sure, but I think it was also knowing the strengths of the team at that point because I don't, Justin Fields, of course, if you asked him, I'm sure would tell you, yeah, like I'm ready to go put a knife in their throat for sure. Let's do it. Let's throw it on the field. Right. And we saw a little bit of that with that third and 12 to Mooney when he got the first down. And then he got another tough first down when it was third and like eight or something. So we, you saw the mentality. I think it's just the Bears knowing they're not entirely ready for that and, and hedging a little bit. Because if you do do that and then you get an interception or a fumble or something, then that's even worse. So I think it's knowing where your team is at as well. Knowing that you had the effective running game. Justin Fields is still kind of getting used to this and getting that chemistry because the chemistry was better, I think, with the receivers this week too. But you're still not ready to ask him to do that. Like you already have the lead, so maybe not push things too far yet. They did it a couple times. The Mooney, the third and 12 with Mooney being the the key one, I think. But they're not ready to say, all right, let's do it all the time, all out, breakneck speed, balls to the wall, let's just go for it. I think they're slowly building up to that. 
And I think it's just knowing that you're probably not there yet. You're not at that Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Buffalo Bills <laughs> level yet. You hope you can be there eventually. But as of right now, October 11, 2021, Justin Fields' third start, you're not quite there yet. So you kind of just, you got to, and that's why I say, and obviously I'm a Bears fan too. Of course I want to see them do that and step on people's throats, but it's also the rational part. You got to think of, all right, where is this team at logistically and, you know, scheme wise and where people are at chemistry wise, and then take it in that scope too. And, oh, boo, that's not fun. Let's be mad for no reason. We're Bears fans. Of course we like to be mad, but take it for what it is and just go very very slowly it's baby steps of course we want the hungry bear mentality yeah well, you know it's the packers you obviously want to go in that but i'm more worried about the long term and i think long term they're just <laughs> you know slowly building up to where we want to be hopefully we can be the buffalo bills one day obviously would love that but it took the buffalo bills what josh allen's full first year before it they, took them a long time so, josh allen was not good for his first two years right i mean josh allen people were ready to sell the house on him they were they were ready to set sail on josh allen it's all right. The Bills need another quarterback. So it's not going to happen overnight. I, I mean, you just, it, I know it's not easy, but patience is the key here. I hate patience. I do so, too. But hey, you uh, come into, <laughs> we'll talk about it Wednesday too, but you go into a Packers defense that hasn't been that good either and is probably going to be missing yeah. their top d- defensive back. So, uh, well, yeah, no, he's out. He was put on IR. So he's out. Yeah. Jay so, Alexander's out. You have to so and they've got rookie Eric Stokes over there who's probably gonna be shadowing uh, Robinson again. We'll dive into all this in the pregame show. But Alan Robinson, uh, I mean, the man just catches everything that comes his way. I mean, it yeah. doesn't matter. Like uh, again, not gaudy numbers. I really I just traded for him in fantasy, so I would love to see love to see those uh hundred yard and, and I no, but look, I think I traded him for him at the right time. I mean, you I bought sure. very low on Alan Robinson because this, you know, you talk about patience. You talk about a player who's bound to explode. If there's anybody in the league who's bound to explode, it's Allen Robinson. I mean, the guy, It'll happen sooner rather than it, later. It will happen. It will happen sooner rather than later once that chemistry. I mean, that chemistry, I think, already exists between him and Justin Fields. Like, you yep. know, th- there was a number of plays where critical situations were throwing the ball to Allen Robinson because he's our guy. You know what I mean? Like, he's still that go-to guy that you're going to throw the ball to. It's just, again, it goes back to... He's only throwing the ball 20 times. Allen Robinson's not going to get 15 of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you like you just in order for those numbers to increase, the passing attempts have to increase first, you know? So that for the sake of all Adam Allen Robinson fantasy over owners, be patient. Still start him next week. I think next week's the breakout week. There's going to be a breakout week. I thought it would be this week. I think it'll be next week when you go up against a, a Packers secondary that's uh decimated and, you know, hasn't looked great, but I mean, we talked to uh, I brought up the stat last week. I, I don't remember where I find it. Uh, if I can find it, the Bears after there it is. The Bears after a win since 2018 are 18 and 10. Turn that to 19 and 10. All right. Hmm. So they roll. I mean, they 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 roll after wins. So streaky that's team. why they're a streaky team. Streaky team. You know, here and there. You saw last year they started off what five? Did we start off five and or four and I, four? Five, four or five. I can't remember exactly what it was. I mean, you it was at least four. Start off 4-0. I mean, this team has the capability to do it, and not just against lesser opponents. They do it against good teams. They beat the Buccaneers last year. They beat, you know, uh, who else? I can't remember. I don't want to I don't want to remember last year. Don't make me remember last year anyway. Bears um, started the year six. No, they started the no. year three and oh, then the Colts. So three so they started five okay, five sorry. and one. They started five, five and one. one. Right. Well, okay. Right. But they nonetheless, they, they can they can compound wins together. Uh, and, and once they get momentum, once they get rolling, club dubs rocking. You think back to 2018, they had a whole bunch of winning streaks that year. I think they might have won six in a row at one point that year. Um, this, th- that, that's why this game is so important. Yes, you figure out things about the rushing game. Yes, the defense looks good. But more important than all of that is that momentum aspect that everyone in the mm-hmm. chat is bringing up because everybody recognizes that. Everybody knows that's what this team has been built on the past few years. That's that's what they're built on, the momentum and the culture. And, and when you have that thriving, they they can be a very 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 hard team to beat. So mm-hmm. I, especially at home, especially at home, Sunday is going to be fucking loud, man. I mean, yeah. I I wish I was going to the game. Justin Fields' home start as the official quarterback one, official home start <laughs> as the official. You know, you could spin that any way you want against Green Bay, against rivals, and someone in the chat mentioned earlier, Justin Fields plays well against his rivals. That man destroyed Michigan the first time he played them. He only played them once because the game got canceled last year due to COVID. Destroyed them. He understands the impact of rivalry games. 
He understands the Packers-Bears rivalry based off of that clip we saw when he was talking about his center, Josh Myers, playing for the wrong team in Green Bay. He said that like a week or two after he got drafted, he knows what that rivalry means. It's important, and he is going to come out. It's going to be freaking great on Sunday. Yeah, I am excited for Wednesday's show when we break that all down. Continue to talk about the offense, though. I want to bring up another yeah. thing because uh, you were talking about Allen Robinson and, and the targets. I mean, Darnell Mooney and Allen Robinson both led the team in targets. They both had five out of you know the 20 that went around. Uh, Mooney with three catches, Robinson with four, 35 yards for Mooney, 32 for Robinson. You know, it, it seems like it's starting to even out the production level. Again, when you only have 11 completions and 20 pass attempts, it's going to be sparse. But something that I brought up last week and something that we've been waiting for, tight end involvement, Jimmy Graham was out there a lot. Cole Komet had four targets of his own. He was second on the team, brought in two of them for 22 yards. The long the touchdown. So, and, and then the, Jesper Horstead, Jesper. The, the man who had his job basically saved by Justin Fields and Nick Foles in the preseason, now catches Justin Fields' first touchdown, first passing touchdown of the year. And yeah, I, I mean, we saw it. And, and that's kind of what I mean when I talk about you gotta, you can't just look at the stats. You can't just, you know, I, and when you gotta be patient, that's another thing. That's a baby step where you get, you can take away something positive from that. Not just Allen Robinson being more involved, but the tight ends uh-huh. getting on the field more and being more involved in the passing game. And I mean, somebody in the chat just said Goodwin too. He was involved. I mean, he only had one catch, but he was out there. And we saw a little bit of a diversification of the personnel. And that was something we highlighted last week that we wanted to see more of. And we saw it. So that's one of those baby steps that you got to say, okay, that's that's a step in the right direction. We're continuing to build on this. And that's how you know by week 17, week 18, Possibly we can be where closer to where we want to be, closer to that Buffalo Bills level that you want to be at, mm-hmm. closer to those upper echelon offensive teams. We're still figuring it out right now. You got to take it a day at a time and then, you know, take away little things like that. I know it's kind of seems kind of annoying or dumb to, you know, kind of look for little things like that, but it's important and, and it's an important sign of progress. It is important. It's a thousand percent important. And where else is important? Yeah, from the receiving end it is. But look at the blocking. I mean, you talked about Alex Vars coming in. They also ran 13 personnel a few times, which is very rare. Yeah. You very rarely see 13 personnel, which features one running back, one wide receiver, three tight ends. And, you know, with, with Jesse James and your best blocking tight end and JP Holtz out, they were relying on Jesper Horstead and Jimmy Grant to, to hold crucial blocks on 13 personnel, which is typically typically a run play, but you can also form on play action on plays like that. But, you know, Jimmy Graham is a player who consistently has been talked about as, you know, being a, uh, a detriment to the team from a blocking standpoint and only having value as receiver. He blocked well. It's good to get those guys in the mix and change up those personnels and bring in three tight ends and, and, and get guys involved. And we talk about this offense and how many weapons it has. You have to take advantage of it. I mean, Goodwin and Bird and the speed. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk about it again. We've talked about it already. But this is an offense that has the capability to do a whole lot of different things. It's one of the most, I, I think, one of the most multifaceted, diverse offenses in the NFL from a personnel standpoint, especially when you consider Dave Montgomery in there. I mean, it really is with the amount of speed and the amount of different players they have at the tight end position, wide receiver position. I personally think it's one of the most diverse offenses. But, they're just, I think they're just starting to figure out how to utilize those in different ways. And I think it's just a matter of time before you start to see a Marquise go an 80 yard touchdown before you start to see a, a, you know, a Demir bird, you know, wide receiver bubble screen that turns into a 50 yard play. Like those things are going to happen. And again, you know, I think there is also, you talk about that, maybe not a learning curve, but a curve from Nagy to, to laser, you know, mm-hmm. th- th- that affects Justin Fields. It affects the running backs. It also affects, Jameer Bird and Marquis Goodwin and you know sure. Jimmy Graham and Jesper Horstead because those guys typically weren't getting opportunities. Those guys are running different plays, they're running different routes, they're not running eight-yard hitch routes now. They're running shot plays, they're running post corners. You know what I mean? They're doing different things, and that changed with play calling. So all it, uh, I think all it is about comfortability, and that is only going to grow and get better week by week. Hopefully, you're at a point now where it's enough to get you past the Packers on Sunday. So I I mean, Bird, Goodwin, Komet. Graham, Horstead, Robinson, Mooney, Herbert, Williams. I mean, that's a lot of talent, man. That's a yeah. lot of good players who can do a lot of different things. And it's only a matter of time, I think, until we start to see full usage of all of them. No, and yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's going to take a couple of weeks. We also saw some of the uh, designed runs for Justin Fields that you've been banging the table for. Granted, yeah. they didn't really do much, it, but, yeah. <laughs> but you saw him. You saw him at least. You saw him. 
uh, you know, Trey Lance ran 16 times on Sunday. Yeah, that's wild. I don't want 16. That is absurd because <laughs> it's a lot. I mean, 16? Holy smokes. I mean, he's not Lamar Jackson. I mean, he's talented, but he's not Lamar. Uh, you know, I liked I liked that they were trying it. They were not successful. I didn't really love the designs on some of them. Some of them were just, you know, straight QB draws against eight men defensive fronts. I don't know. It didn't it didn't it didn't seem like they were, you know, called in the right situations, the right play calls. But at least they're trying it. At least I understand that it's going to help. I do think part of the uh, they shied away from it in the second half because Justin Fields is getting banged around all game. I mean, hyperextended leg, right. uh, you know, clobbered by two Raider defenders at some points. I was I was getting anxious, man. I was like, geez, this guy's going to go down one more time. And he's going to, you know, not good things are going to happen. Right. So um, I still like the idea, though. More design runs. Obviously, he's talented. Not 16, not three. Let's go for six, six or seven per game. That's where we're at. That's what we right. like. It's really nice <laughs> that we have a Monday right now. If, I, I think it's the first Monday show of the year that we're not talking about comments that Matt Nagy made. <laughs> it's really oh, nice. Man, refreshing refreshing it's really nice to not have to sit here and and be mad about matt nagy talking about andy dalton or something it's it's just it's nice to be able to talk about what happened on the field exclusively i know it's refreshing and hey credit to andy dalton because he came in for one play and it was or a few plays but one pass attempt it was on third i think it was third and eight and he made a good throw good play got you the first down extent of the drive mm-hmm. i don't know what ended happening on that drive but shout out to andy <laughs> my boy he made a play he made a play he deserves credit he, he was not ready to come to the game he didn't have his uh rib protector on they had to throw the rib protector on because oh, he wasn't Jesus. even ready for ready for that he comes in makes a quality throw had to give a little shout out there to, to big andy <laughs> no definitely just, all right so let's pick one one player from each side i mean i think cleo herbert's our breakout player for offense or breakout slash most valuable player on the offense uh, uh for week five yeah for for the raiders yeah uh, yes. no, for the Raiders game, I should say. For the Raiders game. Yes, Cool Herbert, most valuable player, breakout player. Man, I mean, I I, I, I did not expect it. I really <laughs> did not. I, I really did not expect it. Uh, it came out of nowhere. They were riding the hot hand with him, and he is a dynamic player, and he he's an asset. He's an asset. So, yes, breakout on, on offense. Um, who are we going on defense? Defense, you could is go it, a couple. I it, mean – Breakout or MVP? Because I think there might be. Two yeah, I was gonna fans. say, should we just not? Should we not overthink it and just say Khalil Mack? <laughs> say Khalil Mack. Just say it. I mean, there's. You know, I'm not yeah, gonna over. I mean, no good. one really. No one else was really like astounding out of the DeAndre Houston Carson. I guess the turnover. But yeah, it was. I mean, really that was cool. nice. I mean, yeah, Travis Gibson. Yeah, I mean, we won't overthink it. We'll just say Khalil Mack. But no, I mean, again, I mean, just a sound game. Just wire to wire was a really solid game that I think we were all really happy with. And it's something definitely to build upon going forward. There is a breakout player on special teams, though. Did he return that well? No, but boy, do I love Jakeem Grant. I mean, he is going to, I mean, like I get flashes of Devin Hester out of him where, you know, I don't care if it's eight yards. At times, this is, you know, a little little bit too deep in the end zone, but eight yards deep in the end zone, we're taking it out. We're running. I mean, the Dude has fucking speed, man. And you could already tell the difference. You know, I tell the difference between him and then Simba Webster. And in him, you know, Khalil Herbert was good, but Jakeem Grant is obviously, you know, obviously that's what that's good. what he's made his money that's doing. That's what he exactly. Like he he is a polished returner who has done in the past, who has returned touchdowns. And there, I don't I don't know if there's been no, there's there's been a pure kickoff return this year. I think there's been I don't know if there has been one, actually. A pure there was kickoff this one return. last week, wasn't there? Well, Jamal Agnew returned one off of missed field goal. And Jamal Agnew also oh, that's had a what it punt was. return, I think. I, there's got to be someone who has one, but I, I, I'll i make a prediction. He is the next one to get one. Shaquem Grant, next one to get it. The Bears traditionally need a superstar returner. It was Devin Hasser. Then we had Benny Cunningham for a few years. And then Tariq Cohen was the man for two years until he got injured. It's Jakeem Grant's time. Let's go. He's taking one of the oh, house. The glaze, o- the disrespect Day. to Cordero Patterson. I thought that's where that I, was did going. Did not for... bring him up? Oh, you my did bad. Not say... I, you I skipped say... him. Yes, sorry. I, I was going to use, yes. I was going to say, Cordero. Jesus. And, and someone says, I can't wait to, to until we use him in the offense. Um, He was used once. It was a, it was a, I, think they were, I don't know what personnel they're in, like 21 personnel or something with two running backs. 
One to the left was Khalil Herbert. One to the right was Jakeem Grant. I was like, that's pretty cool. See, the thing with that is you kind of hope, like in the past, I mean, when you used Cordero Patterson, and obviously now he's balling out with the Falcons, but like, yeah, of course, y- you yeah. would hope you wouldn't have to use your kick returner in the offense. You know what I mean? Well, like, yeah, you don't have to, <laughs> but. It's like I mean, I guess if you're doing it just to do it, like because you can or because that's what the scheme calls for, sure. But I'd rather use it because, like, oh hey, yeah, let's try this rather than oh god, we need him to go in right now. (laughs) I have a question for you. Then I'd never really thought about this. There are people who are critical of the Bears using Devin Hester on offense when he was on the team. What were you ever critical of that? I don't know if I was aware enough to really have an opinion on it. At the time, because you're younger, yeah. I mean, I was probably, yeah. a, I mean, but like in retrospect, like in, in hindsight, now looking back at it, in retrospect, I don't hate because it's kind of like Cordell Patterson, like he's super talented and super fast and big and strong. And like, so I don't hate the idea of it, which is like kind of what I'm getting at here, too. Like, I don't hate the idea of trying it and being like, hey, let's just try something out and see if it sticks, as opposed to at times last year with Cordell Patterson, when you look around and you say, Oh God, we have no one else. All right, Cordell Patterson, go out there because we need you. Like, there's a difference, you know. So I, yeah. I don't, I don't hate experimenting. I hate having to use it at, because you have no one else. So yeah, I mean, I, I would say no, but I really, I can't remember really having enough, being aware enough or knowing enough about the Bears or football to have had an opinion on it. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I mean, come on, guys. I was like eight years old, nine years old. Yeah, right. Old. Exactly. Yeah, and <laughs> I'm like years older than you. So yeah, exactly. No, but no, I mean, just to tie a bow on things here, I mean, great win, your first back-to-back win streak, your first win streak, I guess we want to call it a streak, uh, of the sure. year, of 2021. Your, yeah, your fo- first road win of the year. Couldn't come at a better time to kind of start putting a streak together because you do have the rivalry game against the Packers on Sunday uh, to try and go four and two and try to get uh, in the division lead. I mean, it's a huge game and it comes early in the year, so we'll see what happens. But to talk about that game, we'll be back right here on Wednesday at 7 p.m. to break that down. The Packers, they're banged up. They're a little banged up. So we'll talk about that. I mean, I know Kevin is, I already know Kevin's going to pick the bears. I don't know where I land on that yet, but it's going to be fun. We're going to break it down. Last year, we did not get to have fun with the Packers games. So we're going to have a little bit of fun for sure previewing it and hopefully we do recapping it but join us on wednesday at seven to break down this game against the packers first big rivalry game the biggest rivalry game to date of the season and we'll be right here so we hope you'll join us thank you to everyone who listened who commented the comments were great today everyone who watched you guys are all great we will see you on wednesday until then bear down bear down